Do you struggle with putting yourself first? Are you tired of feeling burnt out and overwhelmed from constantly putting the needs of others before your own? I have created a sacred space that will be available once a week for 10 weeks to learn, dive deep, and create your boundaries to boost your confidence and self-worthiness. Go to www.krista-luna.com and sign up for the Master Your Boundaries course starting in September 2023. And use the code PARANORMAL to get 30% off today on www.krista-luna.com. Check it out, y'all. We got what you need. We're all living in apartments, condos, vans. Well, dude, even you can have a studio. A studio in a box. Yes, we can help you with that right here at Blind Knowledge. We work on your budget, and we figure out your measurements. We'll get you the best sound for the best price. Let me know, 877-237-1143 or at blindknowledge.com. Yep. Oh, God, no. 200 episodes in almost. <laughs> oh, wow. Welcome. Welcome back to a second episode of Paranormal Good Normal tonight. I am so happy you were able to do two, two recordings in one night once again. Because you know I love talking about all this stuff in this world. And I'm your host, Jeremy, as already, if you don't know. And I'm here once again to try to bring some normalcy to this paranormal world we live in. Does it ever happen? That's a negative NASA. But it, we try. We try. And that's all that matters. And of course, I brought a guest with me to help me try. And my guest tonight is Peter Young. He is an author and a cult survivor. My first ever one on the show, which as a paranormal show, almost with almost 160, 70 episodes released, that's kind of sad, but we're making up for it now. So enough of your enough of your whining about it. <laughs> Peter, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Jeremy. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, it's a pleasure. It truly, it truly is a it truly is a pleasure. And the first question I ask everybody on this show is, what led you to this road of paranormal, supernatural, spiritual weirdness that we call Earth, where you're willing to be on a show like this? Well, I would say I probably uh, would key on that one word you said, weirdness. Uh, <laughs> you know, certainly a very spiritual person, Christianity, it's my life. But what I went through, you know, kind of in and out of a tiny little destructive religious cult was very weird. I am sure, and I'm, we'll get to it all in a minute. I have no doubt on that one. But second question I have on the show before we get to that is, have you had any experiences with anything in the supernatural world, whether it be ghosts, spirits, or extraterrestrials or cryptids? I mean, take your pick. There's a lot of not that i know of you know and i always wonder if like one day you know you 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 have the ability somehow to look back and 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 somebody can say you know you did come within 10 feet of whatever 
ghost or whatever it is, you know, or you did walk, you know, 50 feet away from, you know, this thing that could have fallen on your head and killed you. So who knows? Do I have any recollection of it? No. Well, uh, as I as I told you before the show, I don't really. I'm not. I don't get disappointed. People have no experiences because I had no experiences myself for a long, long time, and even to this day, I still question the experiences I had. So it's not something that I expect everybody to have in their life. And it would it be a much better world if everybody did have those experiences? Oh God, yes. Oh God, yes. Because then everybody would be open to what's possibly out there more than they are. So, but I didn't have those experiences, so I can't complain. That's for sure. But first question, well, let's just break down a little. Let's break it down, though. When, well, I don't know if you want to say the name of it, and if you don't, that's perfectly fine. But when did you first fall into this cult that you were in? Sure. So, you know, I, I wrote about it and published my memoir earlier this year, Stop the Tall Man, Save the Tiger. So I changed everybody's names in the book, most everybody's but mine and, and the cult guru. Uh, Uncle Robert. So I basically married into it, and that was 1997. And um, y- you know, I don't think anybody ever plans to join a cult. That's never, you know, hey, check it off in your list to do today. I'm going to join a cult. Nor do I think most people realize they are in a cult. They don't realize it until they get out of it. So that was certainly the case for me. I didn't think I'd join a cult. I was getting married. Of course. I mean, I mean, if you're if you're like me, that if you're like me, then you view most religions as cults to begin with. So, I mean, cult, the word cult can be used loosely or, I mean, more tightly, depending on what you're talking about. But, I mean, to me, religious organizations are a cult loosely. I mean, I don't think any of them are doing blood sacrifices by the moonlight or anything like that or anything of the sort or any of the stuff that Charles Manson would do. But... There are, I mean, they have some cult elements to them, but they're lesser, and it's more of a family for a lot of religions. So I don't hate on them because even though, even though I'm an, I, I'm agnostic myself, my podcast, my listeners all know that, but I just want to make sure you know that I'm agnostic. But I would like to see evidence of something out there, so I can believe it's something. That's 100 percent true. But this cult you're in, um, if where was it located? I mean, you don't have to say the exact city. You can say it, like what state was it in, per se. Well, it was really tiny. So there was, you know, maybe at the most, there was like a dozen adults in it. So Uncle Robert or Robert Booty was um, out of Southern California. And at the time, you know, we lived in Idaho and Montana. And uh, so, you know, most everybody was either in Idaho, Montana or California. And we would get together. For the time. Okay. Yeah, sorry. My, my kid just opened the soda. I was very happy about it. But... But uh, California, Idaho, Montana, which, I mean, California is known for having cults over the years, and Idaho and Montana are in the middle of nowhere, so of course they have cults. Why wouldn't they? Well, I mean, I, I guess what my story, uh, I think, illustrates is that it could happen to anybody, and they could be oh, anywhere. Boy. And cults look uh, very different. They can come in all shapes and sizes. They can be rather obvious. They can be big. They can be small. But, you know, we didn't look like a cult. So, you know, we didn't shave our heads. We didn't live in a commune. We didn't go walk around town banging a drum. We didn't try and commit suicide. I tell people that we did drink the Kool-Aid, figuratively speaking. So, you know, I had a fairly normal life, a normal-looking family. I had a career. I was a sports broadcaster. So nobody knew. But, see, what cults are at their foundation, at their root, is undue mind control, coercive, manipulative 
mind control. And that's where they start. And then they, you know, from there they, they go. So they can be located anywhere. And I would get back to your point. Certainly I'm not going to try and proselytize to you, Jeremy, but to me, there's a big difference between a cult and culture. And there's a gal that wrote a really good book called Uncultured. Uh, Daniela Mistanik, I think it's, I say it young, not related, but she was in the cult called the family, which was horrible. Got out yeah. around high school and then moved to America, joined the army. So she escapes one cult. And then she's like, you know, second or third day of boot camp, she's like, did I just join another cult? And so throughout her book, what she makes the point is that no, she didn't, because there's a difference between, you know, abusive, strong um, culture that, you know, could be dysfunctional and a cult. They're two different things. Of course. I mean, and I am no proponent of the military per se. I never want to join in my life, but. I, I mean, that's, that's, mainly, that's mainly to do with who our presidents were since I, was, since I was able to vote, but more than anything. But, I mean, the military is a great thing, and they're more like a family. They, I think the, I think the difference to me is the military tries to – they try to bring each other up to the next level so you can perform better and so you can be the better person you are meant to be. Cults try to bring you down so you will listen better and so you will fall into the mindset for a cult, which that's the difference in my that's- mind. Yeah, you know, I would say you're right there. You know, um, the idea for a cult is that you have a cult leader, right? Like they all have a cult leader, usually narcissistic, often a male, not always, um, makes all the rules. None of them apply to him. And it's all about, you know, control. Um, So, yeah, you know, it's never a case of, you know, trying to elevate that person. So, you know, he's more disciplined. He's more effective. He's, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, it, it is. You're going to stay underneath my thumb, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm going to maintain control over you. Exactly. If you think you have any freedom, you're wrong. Your freedom is taken away. You just don't realize that we're going to manipulate you in certain ways so that you do not think even anymore. You just are what you you just exist and you listen to what every word we tell you when you're going to do that. Otherwise, there could be dire consequences. We're not going to tell you what the consequences could be, but you're going to hear rumors about it from other cult members about people who disappeared and they don't know what happened. And that's kind of like the bottom of it. And we, oh, we actually have a comment. Apparently Josh ran from Scientology when they tried to recruit him in the nineties. Good for you, Josh. I am against Scientology a hundred percent as a paranormal podcaster. Oh, using in Clearwater, Florida, apparently. Oof. Which well, Florida, that's a whole nother conversation we're not gonna do. But well, you know, interesting, Jeremy, if I can comment on his uh, comments, oh, I appreciate it. Please, that, please. Is, um, you know, there's a guy named Stephen Hassan who wrote a really good book. It's kind of groundbreaking. It's called Combating Cult Mind Control. He was in the Moonies. Uh, so remember the, uh, I think Sung Young Moon or whatever his name was. He was the, the cult leader. And I think Hassan joined like in the 70s, maybe early 80s. So he wrote a book and then he did like a, a relaunch of his book a couple years ago. And he said the biggest difference between then and now is the rise of all these tiny mini cults. So Scientology is a pretty big cult, obviously. And it seems like they do try and recruit. We never did. So we were never out trying to recruit other members. We were always very small, kind of circled the wagons around Uncle Robert. We weren't trying to promote his ideas. We were trying to hide him and hide his ideas, which obviously is a huge red flag, right? Like we were taught that Uncle Robert knew the true gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, like we were the real Christians. Everybody else was just kind of the frauds, so to speak. And so he only knew the truth. Well, if that was the case, then why didn't we share it? Why didn't we like constantly promote Uncle Robert to other churches and go have people join us? We never did. We did the exact opposite. Because we, he knew we're very different from other cults. 
he knew what he was doing. He knew that if you tried to go out and spread his word that people were going to be like, are you sure you're in a place you should be right now? Like people were going to try to talk you out of it. If you went out in the world and try to expand off on it. And that's the thing with small cults. They, I mean, not like big cults will try to recruit because they have people that are making their stuff look legit. And exactly, Josh, like, like David Koresh, like Marilyn, uh, not Marilyn, like Charles Manson. Uh, I love Marilyn Manson. Sorry, Marilyn. But like Charles Manson, like all the other cult leaders out there, whoever's in charge of Scientology, I forget his name. Uh, even Joseph Smith, if you want to go back in time to like the FLDS beginning where he, I mean, that, actually, I mean, I was thinking about Joseph Smith when you were talking about that because it's another person who thought they had God's word and no one else could know it with his talking to angels and his tablets and everything and his lucky underwear. But, I mean, don't get me started on the Mormons. We did a cult bracket on this show a while ago, and the Mormons won it because they are one of the biggest cults in history. But, And that guy in San Diego, Josh, says, I, there's a lot of them. I, I don't know which one you're talking about, Josh, but there's a lot of them out there in California that have tried to start cults over the years. Cult you know, a important point to make, too, uh, when you were talking about, you know, I, have, I haven't studied David Koresh very much, but I can almost guarantee you that when David Koresh was – you know, gathering his followers, he, like other cult leaders, you know, did not just start spouting nonsense and lies. Like nobody says, oh, that guy's an idiot. I'll follow him. No, they start off by luring you in with stuff that sounds great. It's And it sounds very factual. Um, and that was certainly with, with our case, you know, Uncle Robert would read to us from the Bible. And by the way, he wasn't related to us. That's what we all called him. Um, but then he would twist it over the years, right? And so then over time, it becomes nothing close to the truth but at the start that's how you get lured in of course i mean if they spout nonsense in the beginning everybody's gonna walk away and be like okay this guy is cuckoo for cocoa puffs and we're not gonna follow him or her but i mean and yes there are plenty of cults out there started by females if you want to know more more about that let's do our cult bracket i'll say that right now because there are plenty out there started by females and they can be as statistic as men can be so if if they give them the opportunity and they have that mindset but I'm not going to say everybody's sadistic because they're not, but they're, I mean, it's funny. Me and my wife, from the first house we was bought before we bought ours now was on nine acres of land. And she jokingly said, what are we going to do with nine acres of land? I was like, start a cult. <laughs> but I mean, obviously I never would do that. Cause I just, I don't have that. I don't have that personality to do that. Like, it's just not my style. I don't want to be around people like that. I just want to be my own person and do my own thing, with my family. But I mean, calls can start, anywhere around the world we've proved that with the 36 or so we went through it's just it's insane it really is how these cults get started and how people just want to i mean i understand like josh said people are vulnerable people are desperate and they will look for even if you're not vulnerable and desperate you may be looking for a better life and this person may seem especially if they're quoting the bible or something to give a better life to that moment because they know god they know the bible and okay maybe they can lead me down the right path and lead me to redemption but Maybe not. Maybe they're just dangerous and they want to start something and that's not going to end well. I mean, we all know how Waco, Texas went, but it, I mean, that's the worst outcome possible. There have been plenty of cults that just started fade over time too, because they just never went anywhere. And like you said, you weren't shaving your heads. You weren't wearing like bubble wrap and waiting for the UFO to come and take you all upon the day of apocalypse and all that. So, I mean, it wasn't obvious signs like, like you said. Well, and for me, um, you know, I joined 
I mean, I, I hate to say the word join. I didn't join anything. I, I was in love with a woman. I married her and I kind of unwittingly married into it. So I went along to get along, you know, for many years. So we were together about 20 years and she left me so she could draw closer to this guy, Uncle Robert. But, you know, for many years, you know, I kind of thought this guy, you know, he's, I would be happy to see him go. I kind of thought he was wacky, like you said, <laughs> cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, right? But uh, so it was a very slow erosion for me to where, you know, there's probably about two or three years that I was brainwashed. I was in. I was all in. Um, and it took me a year to get out. I mean, thankfully, that's all it took. Some people, it takes a decade to get out before they realize it. I mean, yeah. I forget the one. I forget. I forget her name, but the one actress from Smallville who was in a cult for a long time, where they actually branded you and everything. Like she was in it for a good five, six years before she got out, and she ended up in prison because of it. Because she helped get other people into it. Which, that's the Nexium cult. Nexium, yeah, that's it. That, there are so many cults out there that I get confused. <laughs> it's just like if you actually look into cults, and I've talked about possibly doing episodes solely about a certain cult and my, by myself, and you know, educate people, but. It'll come eventually, maybe, but yeah, there's so many out there that I get confused. And as Josh says, thank God you woke up and saw the light, basically. And ironic as that is today, because it was a religious cult, but you saw the light and you saw that that religion's a good thing, but this man is not preaching the right religion. Yeah. So for me, it's like I always kind of say it's the three F's it was my faith, my family, and my friends. And so we kind of kept it all hidden, right? So when my wife left me, it was four months before I told anybody in my family. So like, you know, my brothers, their wives, nieces and nephews, my parents were still alive. Nobody knew. They kind of knew about Uncle Robert, but they had no idea what was really going on. And so then I would start sharing with them these emails and letters that I was getting from Paige, my former wife and Uncle Robert. And they were just horrible and abusive, you know, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally abusive. And I was just kind of so used to it that I didn't see how bad they were, but my friends and family did right away. So uh, cults operate or maintain control three ways, through secrecy, paranoia, and isolation. And so I was isolated. Uh, we kept everything secret. And of course, you know, Uncle Robert um, ratchets about the paranoia because you know, he said the Jews are trying to take over the world and lots of other ideas. You know, World War III is coming, Armageddon, et cetera, et cetera. So we were paranoid. But then as I finally brought people back into my life, like, you know, friends from high school and college, my family that I'd kind of shoved away just so, so I could focus on Uncle Robert, you know, and, and stay in good, his good graces. Then as they came back and supported me and loved me, the Lord really opened my eyes and ears. And I didn't want to, you know, Jeremy, I didn't want to, um, you know, first of all, I didn't want to get divorced. I loved my wife, but I also didn't want to say, yeah, you know, we were in a cult. I thought, no, come on, we're not in the cult. Well, about a year later, after reading that book by Stephen Hassan and, and having my eyes and ears open, it was a cult. I mean, I, you can't deny it. It was a cult. So, just want to get a little bit more of a grasp of what life was like in this cult. Did you mm -hmm. guys all live in like a small compound or were you all spread out? No, we were spread out. So, again, Uncle Robert lived in Southern California. Paige and I lived in Southern, uh, Southeast Idaho. Her parents were in Northern Idaho. And then, you know, we eventually moved to Montana to kind of be closer to them. So, we would, again, only really meet a few times a year with Uncle Robert, but we were always on the phone to him cell phone or emails. Um, so I mean, there were times where I would call him almost every day. Uh, my former wife would talk to him six days a week, you know, for a long period of time. And then my in-laws both talked to him a lot. So, you know, there was no physical abuse, no sexual abuse, no violence, nothing like that. There was no infidelity and all that. You know, I for years thought I had a great marriage, but 
over time it became obvious yeah, there was a problem and it was the problem was Uncle Robert. So again, we didn't look like it um, or what many people might think is a cult, but we were. Yeah, which I mean, thank God you didn't have to deal with any of that stuff, the abuse or the infidelity or anything, because that's, right. I mean, that's that's the horrible part of a lot of cults is that after that stuff happens, but yep. so this, so you, did you guys, did, did the cult meet up like once or twice a year or something like that and like in mass and like have like yearly meetings or something to try to promote his message? Yeah, we would call them conferences. So if you and I, we uh, might go, uh, you could have a Bible study or you could just sit down and a couple of guys get together over a cup of coffee or whatever it is, have a meeting. We call them conferences, which basically, you know, spending a couple of days at my in-laws house in Northern Idaho. And we would sit and listen to Uncle Robert talk for Robert Booty for hours and hours and hours a day. And again, some of it was, you know, in the first few years, we're like, wow, that's really brilliant. And, you know, he really opened up my eyes and ears a lot to the Constitution, Declaration of Independence, economics, limited government. It's good stuff. Uh, but then, you know, he would just twist and twist and twist the word of God till it was his word, not the word of God. And uh, it was just bizarre. Um, and, and you know, anything that would have been inappropriate for you, Jeremy, or anybody else to, let's say, say in front of me or my wife or my kids, or I'd be like, wait a minute, stop, right? You know, we got kids here. Don't say that. That was never the case with Uncle Robert. He, there was nothing he could do that was inappropriate. He could say pretty much whatever he wanted to because he was the leader. You're not supposed to question the cult leader. Yeah, I mean, exactly. That's that's the way they get to thinking is that you're not supposed to question them because they are, for lack of words, you're, they're your God. They're your God at on a, on a more smaller scale. Like they they supposedly have a direct line to God and they know exactly what God wants you to do, which they don't, but I mean, they're going to make you think that. And if, I mean, if, if there is a God, which I know you believe there is, and I would like to see proof there is one. I'm not going to lie. I would totally like to see proof there is one. I, my wife believes I don't, I just, well, I'd like to see proof. That's just, I'm a scientific person. I want to see the proof. That's just me. I don't take, I don't hate anybody that believes. That's my theory. I'm agnostic, but I'm not an atheist. I want to believe. So what about Christianity finally got you out of this? And what, what made you see the light? Hmm. Yeah, good question. Well, um, you know, probably the most wicked thing that, that Robert Booty would do was that he would, you know, you talked about these people being their God. The way I would rephrase it was he would act as the gatekeeper to God, right? Like you could not really have a relationship with Jesus Without Uncle Robert, you have to go through Uncle Robert, Robert Booty first. So he acted so, as a God. He was a Saint Peter on Earth, basically. <laughs> I guess you know, but I, again, if, what Uncle Robert would try and do was was unbiblical. So it was wicked. There was nothing good about it um, because it's totally unbiblical. Like what he would try and do is just you, you can't justify. It. So um, and again, that's kind of a common trait for cult leaders. Whatever religion you ascribe to, you could be Buddhist or Muslim, whatever it is, Jewish, they will try and act as a gatekeeper to God. And so that's what he did. So I was, you know, I grew up in a Christian home and I knew that I was a sinner, knew that I needed to be saved, believed in God, believed in Jesus. Um, and then, you know, just kind of lived my life with the understanding that I was. Uh, but then, you know, let's say maybe 15 years into the marriage, he was able to, after, you know, again, 15 years of getting beaten up by him and my former wife that, oh, you know, you must not be saved. I kind of allowed myself to be convinced of that. 
And then, you know, when my wife left me, she started to tell the kids that I was the devil. Uncle Robert totally backed her up. You know, you are of course. controlled by a, lemon of, a legion of demons. You are Satan, the sorcerer. You know, for a while I'm believing it. Um, but again, you know, in the, in the Christian world, they talk about the body of Christ. So it's obviously a metaphor, which is basically the body of believers, believers as a whole, right? And um, I had been largely cut off. So imagine like, you know, if you cut off this finger here, the finger will die, but I'm not going to die. Well, when you get cut off in the body of Christ, like we were, well, then you kind of atrophy, you die. So when I got reconnected, other people helped me see that, you know, Peter, this guy's way off base. You know, he's wicked. And so the Lord used those people in my life uh, to help me finally see. Exactly. And um, as as Josh in the comment thing, I haven't looked it up, but you were under his spell, he said. And he said, I'm on the fence, too, when he when I was talking about my beliefs. But I thank you, Josh. I mean, there's a lot of us on the fence at this point. I mean, the world's in a crazy place right now with all the smoke from Canada and stuff and everything else happening in the world. We're just in a crazy place right now. Ukraine, Russia, take your pick. I mean, the world's a crazy place right now. And we all want something to believe in, but we just can't see it. And whether that's a fault of our own or a fault of some higher being, I don't know. But we can't see it, and I feel like if there was, he would show us something. I I might be missing the sign completely. He might be showing us. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't. And I can't. I could say that all episode, and I'm <laughs> not going to keep doing that because that's just going to be a boring episode if I do that. But And Josh said, the kid, so sad, and the kids, oh, my God, the kids, which, how did it affect the kids? That's kind of something I wanted to ask, like, because, like, I mean, I being an adult in a cult is one thing, but being kids right. in a cult is a whole nother story in the world. Well, um, you know, when she left, uh, about a year later, we got a guardian ad litem involved because, you know, she then filed for divorce. She did a, you know, jaw-dropping 50-page report. And in it, she n- noted, you know, the, the cult influence on the kids, which is considered emotional abuse. Yes. Uh, cults, cult influence on kids. And it is. So it was very hard that, you know, they believe their mom and their grandparents. So, yeah, oh, dad, you're the devil. You know, I had one kid say, well, you know, dad, gee, if I was a devil, I'd want someone to tell me so I could change. So you know, they believed it all. And and worse than that, uh, Robert Booty had a really perverse um, ability to inculcate his followers with hatred. I mean, he just uh, had a... a, a an, astonishing level or capacity for hatred and anger. So that went straight into, you know, Paige, my former wife, and then right into my kids. So they were just getting saturated with this hatred, which is just a horrible way to live. And so, you know, they recovered. They came to live with me, the, the three youngest, and slowly but surely, you know, they came around to see. So I, you know, when you say not seeing signs, I believe I see signs every day that the Lord is real and he's, he's working in our lives. Uh, the father of five kids, like, <laughs> I don't know how you can watch a child being born and think that all of that was just random, that there's not a God. Uh, that to me is impossible when you watch a child being born. So to me, there are signs every day. We just got to be looking for them. I mean, I agree. I mean, a childbirth is a miraculous thing. I mean, I tend to, I tend to put it more to science and religion, but because we were I mean, but that's a whole nother to be. I mean, whether we were put here by extraterrestrials or whether we were just evolved or whether a great creator did put us here, either of those three options, childbirth is still a miraculous thing. And it happens 
I mean, our bodies are, the female body is built for it, but it's just a miraculous thing still that we can literally push something the size of a watermelon outside out of us. And I mean, there's been a man that gave birth now, supposedly, so I don't freaking know anymore. Like, that's just, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to think anymore. Like, it's just, I mean, I, as, as a man, I can't imagine that because it's only one hole it's going out of and God help you. <laughs> or you're or you're getting cut open. But either way, God help you. But I just, I don't know. That's a, childbirth is a miraculous thing. I only have stepkids, so I haven't been able to see my child be, a child of my own being born yet. So someday, hopefully, someday I hopefully see that. But I mean, there'll be a C-section, but hopefully I'll still see that because the fact that a person can grow another human being inside them is just beautiful and miraculous. But it is a miracle. Yeah. Why we can do that. I don't know. There are, like I said, there are three different options in my mind of why that could happen. And I've always been a scientific person. So I tend to lead towards evolution because we had to be able to do that. Otherwise our species wouldn't survive. Same as any animal needs to be able to give birth to survive. So, and live longer than that, just one generation's life. But I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I definitely, you'll never, you'll never hear me say like, Religious, religious bullshit or anything like that. I don't believe that. I believe people need to believe what they want to believe in order to be the best selves. That's why I believe. And to me, that's just the way it goes. And I could be wrong. I could be 100% wrong. But for this conversation, let me get back on topic here a little bit. What are some signs that you would tell someone like to look out for if they thought they were in a cult? Yeah, another good question, Jeremy. So, um, you know, probably the, the biggest red flag, which again doesn't mean you're in a cult, but it's really not as, as a red flag, is when somebody, you know, kind of cuts off uh, all of their traditional or longstanding relationships. So, I mean, that could be going to church, Bible study, it could be Friday night bowling league, right? You know, it could be cards and beers on the weekend with the guys, whatever it is, where all of a sudden this person, there's no more letters, no more emails, no more phone calls, no more showing up, and they've kind of cut off all of their friends, because that's a huge red flag. And then yeah. number two would be, you know, now all of a sudden this person's talking so much about this one other person, pastor, guru, whoever it is, this person can do no wrong. And now, you know, all of the praise and adulation, all the good things that this person says goes towards that one person and you can't question that person. That's another red flag, you know, and if it gets to that point, you know, then, then, you know, that person probably is going to start isolating him or herself pretty soon thereafter. Um, again, doesn't mean you're in a cult, but they're, they're red flags. See, that right there is why nobody would ever know if I was in that cult because I have no friends. I have no life outside of working, coming home. Before I had my wife and kids, nobody would have realized I was in a cult. Me and my mother, but no one believed, no, no one believed her anyway. So, you know, but it could have happened. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, in my younger days, I could have been susceptible to so many different people tell me they know how to fix my life. But now, no, it couldn't happen now. If you're going to convince me to leave my wife and kids now, you'd have to be the greatest linguist in the world. Like, you'd have to really want to, you'd have to be something else. And I don't think that person's going to come along. So, that's, that's my good. Answer. I mean, it's a, good, it's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But yeah, I, don't want, I don't want to leave my wife and kids. I love my wife and kids. But good. it's just, my younger me, oh, younger me wanted to join cults or something or do something to be different because it's just, you know, that that teenage 20-something-year-old angst is a vulnerable, vulnerable point in people's lives. And you can be taken advantage of that point in your life a lot. But 
luckily, when I grew up in New York and then Massachusetts, there was nothing going on like that that people were trying to get me involved in. So, yay. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't know. But, but you say on one of your you say in one of your books that you never you never know you are in a cult. You only know you were in one. Yep. So, what does that translate to in basic talk, basically? Like, sure. what's, the meta- what's the metaphor for that, basically? Well, like I said, you know, cults are mostly at their foundation about mind control, right? So, in other words, like, you can't control somebody to shave their head, commit suicide, whatever it is, right? Do something really weird or bad without controlling their mind first, right? You're not going to control somebody, the rest of their body, to do something awful unless you control up here. So, they're about mind control. So again, you know, nobody specifically or on purposely will join a cult. So you only know that you were in a cult once you've left. In other words, like if you're in the cult and you and I, Jeremy, are in the cult, the cult of whatever, right? The cult of Massachusetts, whatever it is, the cult of your garage. And and you and I say to each other, you know what? We're in a cult. Well, the moment we say that and realize we're in a cult, the mind control has now started to dissipate. Because we know there's a problem. So that's why I say that. Because when you're in it and your mind is controlled, you don't think it's a cult. No, come on. I was the same way. It's not a cult. When you get out, you're like, oop, as it was. I mean, a couple things there. (laughs) But, I mean, if Massachusetts had a cult, it would be wicked. (laughs) But, and it would also just be, no, states can't have, like, a statewide cult that would be too noticeable by the government and the government would hop in immediately and be like, what are you doing? I don't trust you. But, and Josh says he was very lucky to escape Scientology, I assume, that he had to leave everything behind and run north and he never joined, but they were extremely harassing, which I've heard that about Scientology because of Leah Romani, or however you say her name, because she put all those documentaries about Scientology and really exposed mm. it. And I mean, look what they did, John Travolta, for God's sake. So there you go, people. But, I mean, to me, it's just, I don't know. One, a cult that asked me to shave my beard, you ain't getting me in. I'm sorry. Ain't nothing making me shave my beard. But I'll join the Amish before I join a cult for that reason, because they they respect beards. But, I mean, some people may say they're a cult as well, but, I mean, that's, I find them more of a religion, less of a cult. But, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I just don't know. I mean, Joining a cult in your younger days, in younger days, it seems like something that might be a good idea because it's somewhere, especially if you have no friends, especially if you have nobody to really talk to, they can get to you because it seems like someplace you could belong, someplace you could have people who want to listen to what you say. And that's where people come into it. It's usually people who usually join. I mean, you join through marriage. That's a little different story. But people who usually join in their own free will are just loners who have nobody and they find a group that loves them and it seems like everybody in that group loves them 100% and they can rely on those people and they can talk to those people about anything and not get judged. So I mean it's just I can see where the I can see where the where people would be inclined to join cults when they're younger but eventually we all mature and realize that's not you don't look for friends just because they're friends. You need friends who actually have substance and want to help you and not just get you involved in something that you shouldn't be involved in, which that's my um, P- uh, my PSA for today. I will let that go at that point, but your book, Stop the Tall Man, Save the Tiger. I kind of want, want to talk about that. Ta-da, there, there, there we go. Which I, am a, I have been a fan of Tiger since I was a kid, so I love that fucking cover. I do. <laughs> but 
what are some of the things that, what are the lessons you talk about in that book that you learned and that you discussed in that book in detail? Yeah. Okay. So there's three things, again, largely for the Christian audience, but again, it's to me, it's applicable for everybody. Number one, if you want to have a strong marriage, you know, you should not have anybody between the husband and wife. People from the outside could help in and they should to try and edify you and encourage you, you know, stay, your, stay in your marriage, you know, grow your marriage. But no pastor, priest, parent, child, or certainly family guru should get in between the husband and the wife. Number two, I talked about earlier, you know, when you isolate yourself uh, and you are very secretive and you have kind of cut yourself off, that's when you are more vulnerable to fall prey to a cult leader, someone who is you know, narcissistic. Um, so it's very important to maintain friendship, which of course, you know, I mean, you know, with, with COVID-19, uh, people started spending more and more time alone, uh, which can be dangerous. And then number three, again, for the, for the Christian audience is, is you know, kind of a bedrock principle of Christianity is that it, salvation is a free gift, right? You can't earn it. Okay. So, uh, cult leaders will often try and switch the order of salvation and sanctification. So salvation you get saved. Sanctification is where you grow in your faith. Well, if it's a free gift, you can't, you shouldn't have to grow in your faith before that point. Well, that's what Uncle Robert would do. And that's how he acted as the gatekeeper to God. In other words, well, you got to grow in your faith before you can be saved and I'll help you do it. I.e., you can't get saved without me. And that, of course, is wicked. Which that brings upon dependency and that makes, and once you're dependent on somebody, it's hard to break that cycle. So. Yeah. Yep. I mean, whether it be marriage or anything like that, it's just hard to break that cycle once you're dependent on somebody. And I mean, I still to this day have no real friends. I mean, besides podcast family, which don't get me wrong, my pod family is my closest friends and I would give anything in the world to help them or to do anything they need help with. But I also know none of them are in cults or trying to get me into anything. They don't try to, they'll never try to persuade me to do something they may offer advice but they're never going to try to persuade me and that's the difference if you're if you're if someone you love is in a cult they'll try to persuade you to their way of thinking and there's no way there's no you can't convince them otherwise and that's a red flag right there in itself i mean well the biggest red flag, jeremy i would say is like if i can interject it's okay if people are you know very enthusiastic and are encouraging you to, to believe in x y and z the problem is um, when you ask good questions and they don't like questions, the truth does not mind being questioned, right? Exactly, exactly. It's I okay see that. if somebody believes strongly in what they believe in. I, I yeah, I mean, you could, yeah, it's it's the difference between again between religion and cults. You can believe a hundred percent in a religion, and I'm not going to question you on it. I really am not because it's your belief, and you know what? If it does, if it does for you, what makes you happy? Then great for you i can respect that just don't if you're going to try to convince me every day and every hour you're with me to be in that then that's a set a bad sign like and there are religious people like that who are going to try to convince you every day and every hour to be part of the religion because they exist but it doesn't mean they're in a cult it just means they right. truly believe, believe in what they believe and that's okay you can do that i truly believe aliens exist am i going to sit there trying to convince other people of it every day no because i'd be wasting my time because either you believe or you don't believe. That's just simple enough. And those are the type of that's the same thing. The same thing goes with religion. It's a good metaphor, honestly, in my opinion. Whether it be aliens, Bigfoot, take your pick. Like if you either believe or you don't believe. And Josh said, like, <laughs> Jeremy, don't join you're the best. Uh, I thank you, buddy. I thank you. Uh, don't worry. I ain't going nowhere. I'm not joining no cult. I 
The only call that I join is a call of the paranormal than normal. And trust me, I'm not trying to get you guys to do anything weird. I'm just trying to open your minds to different things in the world. <laughs> and this is a conversation need to be had. Yeah, I agree. It did. Because I've been waiting for a long time to have this conversation with somebody. And I am very happy that Peter came on and had this conversation with me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, Jeremy. Now, your your first book you wrote, The Blue Team. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, there's a football on the cover, right? A basketball. 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 I knew it, I knew it was some sports. I'm not a sports fan in any degree, but I knew I I knew it was some kind of sports. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> so in that book, I gotta ask, what are the less what, what are the lessons in that book that are different than your second book? Oh, okay, sure. So the blue team is a novel about faith and basketball. It's very loosely based on my life. I always tell people it's um it's a novel because the main character and the team, the basketball team, are good at basketball. And I wasn't, but I did play in ba- basketball in college. So the idea is that um, a basketball or any athlete or any, anybody in life, but you know, the basketball player's greatest adversary is not the guy trying to block a shot or the teammate who won't pass on the ball or the coach who won't start him. It's himself. Basketball, it's exactly, it's his own mind. We are our own worst enemy. The Christian application is when the Lord saves us, he saves us from ourselves, from our own mind, thinking we're God, right? So because you're a Christian athlete doesn't mean you're going to you know, make the game-winning shot. <laughs> you might miss it, but if you miss it, life still goes on, right? Your identity is in something greater than yourself than in your next game. So it, it enables you to play for the love of the sport. That's kind of the story within the story. Interesting. And I mean, even as someone who's not in the sports, I've seen enough. I mean, it's funny you say that because I actually played basketball as a elementary school, middle school type thing. And I sucked at it. I was just the I was the tall kid who was fat, who was in who played the center just to knock their people down and to take the ball. That was my point in life. And if I if I get a three shot here and there, that's great. But it's not gonna happen that often. And I was basically just there to be the bumper between people trying to get to the hoop. But I get that. And I mean I stopped playing basketball for like five years because I was just like, I'm not going anywhere with this, and I'm sick of running back and forth down a down a court and practicing and running for practice like no I, i'm a fat kid i don't want to do this crap that, that was basically me but it you're right i mean it, at the end of the day like like well like we both said it was it's yourself like yep. your big your biggest my biggest enemy my whole life has been myself like what my what my brain is telling me is not always true because i people try to make me think my whole life that i was a loser i'm not worthy of anything and that i'm weird and i had to overcome that it took years and decades but i overcame it eventually and i found a woman who loves me and was willing to let me help her raise her kid so great i found my way in life because of that and that i I always knew it would be kids eventually whether mine or somebody else's i always knew it would be kids and that's why i didn't turn away when i met a woman with kids because a lot of guys would but it's just i saw my path and i took it and whether that's god's path or whether that's something else i don't know but you know what I'm happy with it, and I'm not going to question why it's there. That I think that's the most important thing in life, is you don't question the path you're meant to go on. And Josh, I agree with you. I I don't butt heads with people who clearly are on their own path either. They don't align mine. I just let them go on their own path, and if I don't think it's something I can associate with, I'm not going to associate with it. But I'm not going to argue with them, whether it be in person or online in any way. And, dude, Josh, thank you. I, you want to call me amazing. I freaking love you, dude. <laughs> but uh, thank you. Uh, but uh, back to the topic at hand. So 
What made you want to write the second book, though? If like if you're get, like, what when, why did your message change between the first and second book? Like a little bit. Like what made you want to write the second book? Yeah, well, um, you know, I, I wrote the first book, my novel, The Blue Team, while I was still in, uh, you know, the cult, and, and thank God it didn't ruin it. Um, in fact, actually, I, after I got out, I kind of went back and cleaned it up and republished it about two years later. Kind of tried to take away some of the little Uncle Robert phrases from the book. But again, you know, when cults uh, maintain control over people like it did me, it's through secrecy and isolation. And so I was quiet for so many years. And so my story, I believe, is, a, is an important one. And it's a cautionary tale that it could happen to anybody. And if you read my book, you know, it, it's intense. I mean, I, you know, people either can't put it down or they have to because it's, you know, you need to take a break because it's very intense what happened to me. It's difficult to read at times. It does have a positive ending. But um, I just, I wanted to get the story out there. Like, I didn't really want to share my life all that much but i thought you know i need to tell this story and it's an important story to hear it is because i mean in this day and age especially in this day and age with the internet there are so many cults out there even on the internet alone like you may never meet these people in person but on the internet you may be in a cult like and you may not even realize it because it's just a chat group or something but if there's someone in that chat group that's leading it that's trying to lead you down a path where they you think that they're the smartest person in the world or that they're brilliant and need to be listened to, they may be trying to they may be trying to lead you down a dark path. I mean, they may not be. They may just be a nice person trying to help you. But I don't trust anybody who thinks that they know everything, and nobody should. I mean, nobody is perfect. That's the bottom line. Yours, nobody is perfect, whether it be in the eyes of a god or just in general. Nobody is perfect. I mean, everybody has flaws. Everybody has mistakes. There you go, Jeremy. I, I agree with you. <laughs> I mean, to me, you uh, you are are well on your way because you have exhibited throughout this interview uh, a, a humility that hey, I don't have all the answers, and that you're not perfect. That's oh, why God. we need a savior. I'm not perfect either. Still oh, not. Still not. Ask my wife. I'm not perfect by any means. <laughs> but I mean, ask my kids. I mean, they're six and nine, but they'll tell you I'm not perfect, and that's perfectly okay. And no. Uh, Josh, you're going to kill me, get me canceled. But yeah, a lot don't even realize it. And or a former president. Yeah, don't get me started on the president. So. <laughs> oops. Yeah, oops is right. And I, yeah, trust me, man, I've been around for almost 200 interviews at this point. I'm not going anywhere. My my purpose in life, is, as I've been told by mediums and psychics, is to get people's messages out there and get them to the world. And over 3,000 plays can't be wrong. So thank you all. Thank you to all my listeners and watchers. I truly appreciate it. But let's go on a little bit of a happier topic because sports broadcasting. I yeah. mean, that, that's an amazing, interesting career to have because did you ever get to meet any big names in sports or like get to interview them or anything like that? You know, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I, I met some people that, you know, if you're a diehard sports fan, you, you, you would know. But, you know, I never interviewed, you know, Michael Jordan or anybody like that. But, um, you know, I was on network TV, uh, traveled the world. I uh, got to cover great events. I mean, I used to tell people, listen, I, you know, I, I got paid to sit at a game for free, like at the half court line to talk, you know, and they paid me to do that. Like what a great living. I mean, for anybody, for anybody who loves sports, I mean, it wouldn't be me by any means because I couldn't tell you who the hell is playing basketball or baseball nowadays. I mean, when I was a kid, I could tell you who was on the Yankees or who, or like some of the famous basketball players or football players. But I mean, nowadays, pfft. All the best. All the all people I know are retired nowadays, or stepped away from it all, or they're broadcasters. So I mean, 
But being a broadcaster, you ever get to, I mean, okay, Michael Jordan was going to be my first freaking name I threw out there, like, did you get to meet him? But because, I mean, as a kid in the 90s and with Space Jam and all that and the Bulls in 96, like, Michael Jordan was my hero. But did you ever get to meet, say, John Madden or any famous broadcasters? Yeah, let's see. I think I got to meet Al Michaels. Um, I know I know that name. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, was just kind of in the booth at a Monday night football game. I wasn't working. I was just kind of helping out when I was much younger. And then Frank Gifford, I remember meeting Frank again, the same time was just, I was a young kid just helping out. Um, I think, you know, if you have any rodeo fans, I called a bull riding event with Ty Murray. I called Ty the Michael Jordan of bull riding. So he was kind of a famous cowboy. Um, but in terms of like football and basketball, you know, a lot of guys that, you know, might've played in the NBA and good college, good NBA players, but unless you really follow the sport, nobody that famous. Well, I mean, I actually had a former guest in the show, Melissa Bryan, who is a um, psychic who, and a descendant of Billy the Kid. Um, she actually is in a bull riding. So Melissa, if you hear this, shout out to you. And <laughs> you might know who Ty Murray is. I can't say I do because I never followed rodeo in my life. I mean, the only rodeo I know is for King of the Hill. But uh, still, I mean, it's just me. I don't. I didn't live. I didn't live out in that part of the United States without a thing, even. So, but yeah, I mean, oh, did you did you did you get to meet Tom Brady? I'm in Massachusetts. If I don't ask that, people no. crucify me. <laughs> and you know, I was a Brady fan actually because my parents had retired to Cape Cod for a few years. Then they've since moved. But um, like, I was never a Patriot fan growing up ever. But then when they moved to Cape Cod, my dad started following them, and then they got really good, and I kind of jumped on the bandwagon. So, but no, never did the NFL. So I did. Uh, I did college football. I don't think if I uh, called anybody that played for the Patriots. I don't think so. Oh, uh, well, I mean, I, I mean, that was a shot in the dark to begin with. But, and uh, what part of Cape Cod? I'm actually, I actually worked in the Cape a lot in the last couple of years, so I'm kind of curious about what area. They were just over the bridge on uh, East Sandwich. Oh, I know Sandwich. Okay. I I was in retail, so I was all over Cape Cod uh, and different stores and whatnot. So, even though I live in the, even though now I live in the Western Central, I mean, uh, the Northwest Central um, Massachusetts, like, I used to drive down the Cape once in a while and do jobs down there for like a day. And it was, it was fun to go down there, but then the traffic going home sucked always. But, um, all right. Well, you say in one of your books though, that sports is the perfect metaphor for life, which I think I know where you're going with that, but I kind of want to hear your explanation for it. Sure. You know I mean? I, to me, we, we use sports in our language all the time, right? Like, I mean, if, if you did something well, you'd be like, wow, I hit a home run, you know? Um, I, I asked a girl out for a date and I didn't get the date. What did you do? You struck, struck out. out. Yeah. Right. Okay. So we I... use sports in our language all the time, but also too, in terms of um, sports teaching us about life, hard work, discipline, working with a team, respect for authority, following the rules, setting goals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, well, yeah, we're not even getting to the whole first, second, third base home run metaphor or the uh, I scored metaphor. But that's not the type of show that I do I, as much as I'd like to start one of those shows one day. But it's not the type of show this is. And Josh, thank you. I'm not into sports either, but it's still amazing. And I still can talk to people about it because it's just interesting. And thank you. We appreciate you saying that it's a great show. We really do. We really do. And I appreciate it greatly. But okay, I gotta ask this, and our, our last five ten minutes on here, I gotta ask because anybody that's religious, I like to ask these kind of questions too. 
mm-hmm. as a Christian, mm-hmm. what is your view on extraterrestrials? Oh, good question. Uh, I have no idea. I mean, I guess like for me, I'm not I'm not afraid of hard questions. I'm not afraid uh, to try and defend the truth. Um, and so, you know, to me, I, the Bible doesn't address it. I have no well, idea. D- and nor would it, it shake my faith. Nor would it well, shake my faith if there well, were some. Let me put it this way, because a lot of people think that the angels coming down in the Bible mm-hmm. could have been extraterrestrials. That we, they didn't know what to call them. So they assumed what they were. Yeah. Um, I think much of that language uh, is more figurative and metaphorical uh, than literal, which there's a, obviously a great divide within the Christian community with that. Of course. Um, you know, much of Revelation, uh, the last book of the Bible, much of Genesis, yeah. the first book of the Bible, especially Revelation, is very much figurative language, whereas people try and parse every little word and make it literal. I believe it's already taken place, again, which puts me in the minority of the Christian population. Whoa, okay. Well, we're going to touch on that in a second. But, um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, there is a huge divide in Christianity between, like, are angels real or demons real or are they... I've had astrologers on my show who are Christian, hardcore Christians, mm-hmm. and they believe that aliens are demons and that the reason people get abducted is because they do satanic things or satanist things such as listening to heavy metal and stuff like that so i mean this guy was old school but still i mean it's just like i don't know what to believe like it's just you have so many people saying that demons and angels are aliens and other people saying demons and angels are creatures of god creatures that were created by god and then turned and creatures of god or whatnot like it's just there's a huge divide and i always like to get every religious person's opinion on it because it's just an interesting topic well I believe that everything that is or was or is made is made by God. Um, so if God made aliens and God made aliens, I don't know. I mean, well, the way I like to think about it too is, and I'm not insulting any extraterrestrials and be listening to this podcast in the future or now, because I'm sure you're on earth, but either way, I mean, what if God was trying to create humanity say, and he did a couple of test runs first with different alien species to see if he can get it, and then he kind of just let them be and went to create a new species. Like, there's a lot of planets out there that could support life. We've proven this. And what if God kind of bounced around the universe and just said, okay, I'm going to do a science experiment on this planet today. And boop, there we go. There's a a species created. Like, I'm not trying to be anti-God or anything with the boot thing. But I'm just saying, like, that's how I picture him creating things, just like, literally putting a finger down and being like, life! Like, that's just how I picture it. Like, because, I mean, if he's a God, that's all he would have to do. But... Well, I would say, here's how I would, I, I would answer that. You know, I mean, are there things that have happened outside of the Bible? I don't know. But I do know that it was not a flippant, um, let's say, experiment create man because it's very clear that god created man in his image and loves man so this was very much done on purpose with loving us as one of the guiding principles god loves us i mean yeah i mean a lot of people would try to say like well what about all the bad things in earth like war and genocide i'm like okay he gave us free will supposedly so 
we're on our own after after he creates us, we're on our own kind of. Like he's gonna watch over us, maybe, but he is gonna give us free will and let us do what we want. If we destroy each other, that's our own fucking droids. But I mean, that's the way I see things always. Like if he did create us, it says right in the Bible. I mean, whether you believe the Bible or not, that's up to you. That's up to everybody watching listening to the show or watching it. I don't I'm not gonna judge you either way, but in the Bible, it's right it says he gave us free will. And that's why I mean that's why Lucifer rebelled, is because he supposed to care more about humans they did about his own angels but that's a whole nother story and we won't have to get we're not gonna get into that tonight but i'm not trying to debate religion here with anybody but so i mean i don't know i mean there's just there's a lot of negative things in this earth and yes we have free will but i mean personally if i was a god i would try to step in and be like don't do that Stop Stop it before you kill each other completely with nukes and stuff. Like, stop it. <laughs> like, I would step in somewhere at least. Like, I mean, that. I mean, maybe he is, and it's not being seen. Who knows? I mean, the, we haven't nuked each other yet, and it's we've had nukes for 50 years now. So maybe he is stepping in and communicating with people that need to be communicated with, and we just don't see it because it's government people, and they're not going to admit that they heard voices or whatnot. But I don't know. I mean, that's just my personal opinion. Like, he... Do you think he's communicating with like leaders and stuff to stop them from destroying each other? Well, I do believe that God is omnipotent. He's in control. Nothing happens that he doesn't see or that surprises him. So then, you know, when there are uh, bad things that go on in the world, yeah, it's, it's a challenge for me. Um, but you know what? Um, I wasn't there when he laid the foundations for the world. So who am I to question him, right? I can try and understand, but I should not be questioning him. Can we hear from God? I think we can. You know, we can communicate. We pray to the Lord. Um, but, you know, I even quoted in my book because, you know, people will say, well, you know, the Lord told me to do this. The Lord told me to do that. Okay. Well, if the Lord told you to do something and it does not square with the Bible, it is not supported by the Bible, then that wasn't the Lord speaking to you. That Whatever dream that was came from something else. It wasn't from the Lord. I mean, yeah, I I. I can agree with that because I mean, I mean, all the terrorists who yell Allah before they go and blow up a building with a suicide bomb, like they can't really be acting in the name of the Lord because if He created us, why would He want us to kill each other like that? Like they have to be, whether they're talking to a so-called devil, a so-called demon that's playing tricks on their mind, or whether they're talking to a, I mean, a lot of them are in the Middle East, so let's say they're talking to a jinn which is a type of demon, supposedly. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, there's a lot of possibilities that therefore who could be talking to us. And as we all know, the devil's greatest trick, according to the Bible, is to make you think that he doesn't exist. Yeah, he's the father of lies. Exactly. I mean, and I I mean, I personally am a huge fan of Milton's Paradise Lost. Like, to me, it's a very, 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 very depressing, sad story about why Satan fell. And, I mean, I can almost agree with some of his arguments. I can see why he would think like that. And do I think any of these things exist off the top of my head? No, not exactly. But, I mean, am I open to the possibility they exist? 100%. The possibility is 100% there. I mean, in this world, anything is possible in my mind. I mean, whether we're extraterrestrial-born or God-born or scientifically-born, like, I mean... I believe we were fish and we just walked on land one day. I mean, is it possible? Yes. For it to happen, I feel like there had to be something bigger behind the scenes, whether it be 
extraterrestrial or creator. I don't know. I mean, I'm open to everything. I just need to see proof one way or the other. That's my biggest thing. Like, I mean, in, in my, I guess my final question to you was, is anybody wrong in thinking that they would question God? Like, if, and not, not, not really question God's beliefs, but like just question the fact there is one. Like, is there, is it wrong to think there are other possibilities in your mind? Oh, well, it's very common. Uh, almost every man probably does that at one point or other in their lives. They question the existence of God. But to me, um, there is no doubt in my mind. Um, you know, the Bible says that thou shalt have no other gods before me. I'm trying to rack my brain if the Bible actually says do not question God. There are leaders in the Bible that did question God. You know, King David, where are you, Lord? Like he would cry out to the Lord, right? So it's common for us to do that. Um, but to me, uh, you know, where you you stray into dangerous territory territory is to deny the existence of God, which again, that's, you know, that's what man has been doing for throughout recorded history is to say, well, God does not exist. So therefore I'm God. I mean, that's leave, it to, leave it to the, leave it to the Jews at Mount Ararat where they had the golden calf and they're worshiping it while Moses was up talking to God. All right, yeah. There you go. I mean, I mean, okay. I was raised Christian. So I was raised Protestant. So I know my Bible, but, um, so that's why I can talk. That's why I can talk about it. Because I know my Bible stories damn well enough to talk about them. But I mean, yeah, there's examples in the Bible even of people smiting God's name and thinking that He's not the only one in charge. And they usually pay for it. In especially in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, they definitely pay for it. But in the New Testament, and New Testament's kind of weak until you get to Revelations. But I mean, it's just it's more letters back and forth. But it's just, I don't know. I mean, was there a God? Was there a Jesus? I don't know. I mean, was there a guy named Jesus in the desert? Yeah, 100% probably. But is any of it religious? I don't know. And I can't deny or approve these facts until I have proof of some kind. I mean, and that's the other thing I have is the Vatican. Like, they have all these supposed relics of Christ and relics of God's proof, and yet they don't reveal stuff. Like that makes me question everything too, because the Vatican, one of my co-hosts of my other podcast says all the time, if the zombie apocalypse happens, he's going to the Vatican first because he wants to read everything in their five mile, ten mile basement. All the book all the books they have that were supposed to go back to the time of Jesus. Which I mean, tell me you wouldn't like to do the same. But I mean, even if you're a Christian, you'd want to go see what the hell is out there that could prove even more. Yep. I mean, that's just my own my own personal beliefs, my own personal rant. I haven't had a religious person on in a while, so you know I got to go on the rant once in a while. But it's just I don't know. I, the, as agnostic, it basically comes down to I don't know what to believe, and part of it drives me insane not knowing what to believe. But I live with it, and I go just day to day, and hope that someday I get shown the light, or shown the light is not there. Either way, I mean I'll be happy. But it's just. I want to know the answers like, like Fox Mulder would say in the X-Files, the truth is out there. I just want to know what it is. So, and I mean, it is out there. It is there. It is there. I mean, maybe I'm not looking the right places. Maybe I'm not looking hard enough. And yes, listeners, this episode is kind of a self-reflection episode in some ways, but you know what? We need those some days. So just let it happen. Let it happen. But 
I want to thank Peter for coming on because it's been an amazing episode. And I mean, I liked, I love that you didn't drop out since I said I'm agnostic and that I was questioning you. Like, I mean, that to me, utmost respect for that because if you, people who are willing to accept the questions are, whether you want to call them true Christians or whether you just want to, um, just anything else you want to call them. I mean, they are, they, they believe what they believe and that's fine. That's perfectly fine. I'm not going to hate anybody for that. I'm not going to have anybody come to my show and just say, just say, because you're religious, I don't want to talk to you. Like, no, I want to talk to everybody of every religion. And I want to try to find common ground and try to find answers. That's what this purpose of life is, is to find answers. And you found yours, which is great. I wish I could get there someday. I honestly do. But for now, now. Yeah, I know. My, my mother and my grandfather have been telling me for years. Before he died, he, before he died, that was his thing was to try to get me to be religious. But I just, I question things more than he ever did. But that's just me. But Peter, tell them where I get that. Tell them where they can find you. Tell them where they can find your books. Maybe you can make a believer out of a few people. Yeah, I mean, there I, you go. Sure. All right. Well, it wouldn't be me. I, mean, I can't save anybody else. But here's my book. It's Stop the Tall Man, Save the Tiger. It's on Amazon. You can also find the blue team. It's on Amazon. And you can also find out a little bit more about me. On my website, it's uh, www.authorpeteryoung.com. So, yeah, Jeremy, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. And, of course, um, Peter's website will be in the description of this podcast as well for listeners. So if you want to go check him out, go buy his books. Just go to the website in the description and go ahead. And, I, I mean, I would love to read his books personally. I I want to read the book of everybody in my podcast, everybody in my podcast that have written books. And will I ever get that done? Doubtful, but who knows? I mean, maybe. I try. I try. Uh, actually, listeners, um, a little preview for you. Brandy Alexander, one of my first guests in the show over a year and a half ago, um, just actually sent me a beta copy of her second book. I mean, it's it's religious fiction, but her first book was about a kid who can see spirits because his brother died saving him from drowning in ice when he was a kid. And he stops uh, demons trying to take over the world in the first book. Which, great book. Um, it's called Genesis, Alliance, Destined to Fight Evil, or something like that. But, I mean, you can find it if you go to her episode. You can find it. But her second book is coming out soonish. I'm, I'm one of many beta readers trying to find just plot holes in it or um, punctuation mistakes, that type of stuff. But once her second book comes out, she will be on the show again to advertise it, I'm sure. I'd love, I'd love to have Brandy back. She's a great guest. And her, her first book blew me away. I read it a week after I, I had surgery last year and I read it for literally, I was off work for two weeks. So I read it within like a couple of days and her first book, even for an uh, agnostic, not exactly a believer like me, her book spoke mountains to me. And I mean, I like to believe that I, I, I could, I like to believe there are things that they're like demons and angels and stuff like that. I like to believe it. And I've had people tell me about angels and demons. That I can believe it in some form or another. So we will, she will be back on just a little preview for listeners, but Peter, it's been a freaking pleasure. We had a great conversation and I can't wait for listeners to hear this episode in late August, early September, I believe, but we'll see. Okay. But until then, uh, your links will be in the description, of course, and I will tag you in it when it comes out. Of course, I can do it for everybody and listeners, you know, where you can find me, listen to the outro. If you don't know. And if you don't know, then you have about 180 episodes to catch up on. 
you better start listening. But until next time, it's been a pleasure entertaining you all. And thank you for those who commented and watched. And thank you for those who listened. And like and subscribe wherever you are watching or listening. And Peter, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Jeremy. You can find me on Facebook as Jeremy Bryant, or you can find me as Uncensored, Unapologetic, and Untamed UQ Podcast Collective group, Facebook group. You can find me on Twitter and the Instagram as at JuggaloBastard, or should I say X now? And you can find me on TikTok as at Bastard Podcast. You can also find me on YouTube as Paranormal New Normal, and you can also find me streaming on YouTube as Blind Knowledge Network, because all knowledge is blind until they admit Bigfoot exists.